just because energy and effort are employed for a purpose doesn't qualify an action as work. That's one of the more powerful lines from the book Leap Over a Wall by Eugene Peterson that we're going to talk about today in our final discussion on this topic of work. Peterson says in this passage, I want to use the word king work to represent all true work. I'm using this word in order to call attention to the essential dignity of work as such to emphasize that our work is of a kind with God's work. All real work, genuine work, is subsumed under king work. I'm using the word here to distinguish true work from false work, spurious work, work that destroys or deceives just because energy is employed for a purpose doesn't qualify an action as work. Work derives from and represents the sovereign God who expresses his sovereignty as a worker, king work. Sovereigns work to bring order out of chaos, guard and fight for the sanctity of things and people, deliver victims from injustice and misfortune and wretchedness, grant pardon to the condemned and damned, heal sickness by the very presence, bring dignity and honor to a people and land. God's sovereignty is an abstract, it's a working sovereignty, and is expressed in work. All of our work is intended as an extension of and participation in that sovereignty. Now, I want to make a great point here because I know for some, everything I just read just seems like word vomit. And for those people, I want to say now is as great a time as any to start reading more. If we are setting goals already for the year 2023 and reading is not one of those goals. I want to encourage you right now to, you know, like we discussed in the last uh, episode, you know, with a small pivot. I'm not saying you have to read a book a week. I've done that <laughs> a couple years ago, but that's not the case for some people that is not feasible to start from that level. But. You can't start with a paragraph a day. Pick a book. Pick a chapter from that book. And then just read a paragraph one day. Read a paragraph a day. And slowly start to build the discipline of reading. And and once that discipline is formed, you know, when you hear someone read a book or an insert from a book like I just did and the words just kind of all run together in our minds and they seem all jumbled and all that kind of stuff. Well, if you have a prowess for reading, it might not seem as jumbled or if it does seem jumbled, the other discipline would be to, you know, stop, take a second to really understand what the author is trying to say. That's what we're going to do today. That's what we're going to do in a second. But, um, you know, stop and look up those words that don't make as much sense um right then when you're reading or the words don't really connect to what you think the author is trying to say so we have a great tool available to us it's called the internet and google and so when uh, we come across words like sovereign and sanctity and stuff like that and we don't know what those words might mean i'm just giving an example 
um, we can go and research those words and really find out what the author is trying to say. But with the year coming up, 2023, reading is a great discipline that we must have if I believe we are going to live at a level that is beyond average and a level that I believe the Lord wants us to to operate and live on. I mean, of course, we're all supposed to read his word, his blueprint for our lives. And if we're not reading, if we don't have the discipline of reading, how can we read the word of God, which is which can be more complex than the small insert I just read from this book. So starting at the beginning, um, he uh, begins to define the word king work and he wants it to represent all true work. And he also gives this word spurious that represents false work. And the best way to describe something is to describe what it's not. So here, king work is all real work, genuine work. And spurious work is false work, work that destroys or deceives. So what he's saying is everything that we put our energy and effort into might not necessarily go into something that's good. It might not necessarily go into something that God approves of or is a part of. Sometimes the energy and effort that we put into something might go towards something that's spurious, something that's deceitful and is destructive. A few years ago, I was working for a company. I won't name any names or anything like that, but uh, when I first got there, they had some great leadership. Um, the guy in charge was a great guy. He cared about the employees. He cared about the job getting done. But um, all of a sudden, one night, he was gone. He was replaced. And from that day on, the entire dynamic of the place changed. Um, from that point, a lot of politics began to get involved and you know i was going to be honest i classify politics as spurious work because nine times out of ten anything to do with politics is deceitful and it's destructive um that's just my personal opinion you might agree you might not you know but anyway so politics really began to run that place and I started to see a lot of good people get fired and their replacements were brought in and their replacements were given the 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 kudos, if you will, for the efforts that their predecessors had done. Um, and it got really bad when I started to see men who said that they were preachers and men of God participating in this spurious work like like I said I won't say any names or anything like that but I, I've seen people I'm not saying they were apostolic but you know just people that men that said that they were men of God actually participating and adding fuel to the fire for this this political atmosphere that was now taking over at this place and a lot of deception and a lot of people's livelihoods were destroyed because of this and you know 
I've heard this quote before, and I've probably said it on Facebook at one time or one, another, but it 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 needs to be said again. It needs to be said. I think it merits being said right here. The only thing needed for evil to persist is that good men do nothing. And I wholeheartedly believe that and stuff. So while I was watching these things go on, this political atmosphere take hold on this place that was once a great place to work. Um, as a good man, I tried to, from as much as I could, you know, speak up against the this toxic work environment now and I try to do things that I knew were the right way to do things when other people were doing things intentionally that went against policy, went against um, what the right thing was to do. And that's very, very tough sometimes to be the person trying to do the right thing in an atmosphere of I uh, in an atmosphere that says we're going to do everything that's not right. But God sees our efforts. God sees and he knows our intentions. And I think that when we find ourselves, if we find ourselves in those situations where we are trying to do the right thing in an environment that says the right thing is not what we're going to do, it attracts God. It attracts him in such a way because like the scripture says, where sin abounds, Grace much more abounds. And if we're the grace that's shining through amongst the evil, I believe it attracts God like none other. And he will come and he will provide protection or he will provide a way out. In my situation, in this scenario, he provided a way out. And, you know, my life has been so much better than that. I at this current point in my life, I am years beyond where I would have been if I had stayed at that job. And it's because of the grace of God and his protection. When he sees our efforts and when he sees that we're trying to do good things, he just protects us and he puts us in positions that we otherwise would not have been in. So to make it simple, king work in this passage simply means using our energy and our efforts to line up with what God is doing the work that he started from the beginning and Peterson gives great examples in this passage of what king work looks like he said that king work brings order out of chaos it guards the important things of people Um, he said that king work delivers victims from injustice and misfortune it heals sicknesses and just by stepping on the scene from doing king work it changes the environment and brings dignity and honor in every atmosphere or situation we find ourselves so the question becomes is the work i'm doing spurious or is it king work is the work i'm doing in league with the work that god does because like the passage says work derives from and represents the sovereign or supreme ruler god who expresses his sovereignty or authority as a worker and god's sovereignty is not abstract which means abstract means is an idea or just a thought 
he, God's sovereignty is not abstract. It's a working sovereignty and is expressed in work. All true work combines these two elements of serving and ruling. Ruling is what we do. Serving is the way we do it. There's true sovereignty in all good work. There's no way to exercise it rightly other than by serving. And, you know, we've heard this preached from our platforms. We've heard it from any really good leadership book or talk or podcast, whatever, of this notion about serving. And we're going to repeat it on this podcast because it's so very true. I've seen it so often in my life because serving is a again a discipline that I have a I've worked hard to you know make a discipline and just seeing the rewards time and time again our society is so selfish and it wants to be served but it wants nothing to do with being of service our society wants to rule and be rulers, but still fails to realize that to be a ruler means to be a servant above all. And if I'm a ruler and I expect to only rule and never serve, then the most I could ever hope for, the best work I could ever produce would be spurious work because my my mindset is self-centered and not people-centered. So again, here's the awareness. Here's where the adaptability comes in. Here's where we have the opportunity for humility. We have to ask the question, is the work I've been doing real or is it false? And if the work I've been doing is false, am I humble enough to recognize that and take responsibility for my actions? Am I humble enough to go to a person or a group of people that I have hurt in the past due to the false work that I've done in the past and extend a sincere apology or whatever it might require to, you know, make amends and right the wrong that was a result of my energy and effort being used inappropriately? And the best thing to do is to start now. There's another quote that says that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago or today. So right now we have the opportunity to say, hey, I haven't been making the right, the best decisions in the past. I haven't been using my energy and effort in the right capacity. But from now going forward, I'm going to make better decisions I am going to adapt my life to say, hey, I don't want to be a person that exerts my energy into something that's false and deceitful and destructive. But I want to exert my energy into something that pleases God, that goes along with what he intended from the beginning, the work that he has been doing since the beginning. And that simply starts with making better decisions, making little decisions the correct way. Because we all know that little things become big things. And so we can get the little decisions correct. If we can make the small decisions and make those decisions count. I think that's how we pivot in such a way that we start to see a significant difference in our lives. 
in our lives starting to go in a course in a direction that we actually wanted to go. So what is the point of all of this? We've been talking about work and how to work and the different types of work and if the work we're doing is good, if the work we're doing is bad and all this kind of stuff. But what is the point at the end of the day? Why do we have to work? Why is work a requirement? Well, the law first mentioned is a guideline that we use to study scripture and the law first mention says that to understand a particular word or doctrine we must first find the place in scripture the word or doctrine is revealed and study that passage and the reasoning is because of the concept is in its simplest and clearest presentation when it's first presented in the bible so to answer that question why do we have to work well, let's start with its first um, its first mention in the Bible. Well, we discussed it already. We said that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the very beginning, the very first thing we see is God working. That is the first uh, mention or the first concept of the the framework of work that we see. But. The most interesting thing that sticks out to me is not the concept of work in itself, but the the context of who it is that's actually working in the beginning. God is working and the what comes to my mind is why, like if God is the if God is God, he has everything, he knows everything, he um, he can do anything but fail. Why does this God have to work? Why does God have to work? And it doesn't become a a mindset or a question of why he has to work, but more a question of why is he working? Why is God working at all? So I think to better answer this question, we have to look at the entire scope of the the conditions and the type of work that he does in the beginning. So in Genesis chapter one, he's creating the heavens and the earth. He, the earth was out form and void. The waters cover the face of the deep. He says, let there be light. The waters, uh, he separates the waters in the firmaments. Um, he creates the fowls of the air. He creates the, the beast of the sea. Um, he creates vegetation, this, that, and the other. He does all these things. Um, but there's something special about a particular creation he doesn't speak it but he forms it and we all know this person to be adam and you know we discussed this already till you breathe the breath of life in his nostrils and he man became a living soul um but why <laughs> because after man was created you know on the seventh day god rested what was it that was so special about this man, Adam, that God created? What was so special about creation as a whole? Well, we answered that question already in previous episodes as well. 
Revelation 4 and 11, he created it all for his pleasure. And the reward wasn't creation and mankind itself, but it was the pleasure that he would receive from mankind and creation itself. God works just like he done in the beginning. He's still doing today. Why? To receive a reward. One day when those skies split open and the dead who are buried rise up first and then those of us that live or among the living, we're going to meet him in the sky and then we're going to enter into a reward. <laughs> and it's twofold because the work that we do also merits receiving a reward. So let's look at Adam in the beginning and the work reward relationship he experiences in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, the Lord has planted the Garden of Eden. He has put Adam in it to dress it and keep it. And in verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And then in verse 19, it says, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air. And brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. So for Adam, God presents him with a task of naming the beasts of the field. Now, he doesn't know about the reward system yet because it hasn't been it hasn't been presented to him yet because Adam didn't plant the garden in Eden. God planted the garden. Only thing Adam had to do was dress it and keep it. But now God has given Adam a real task. Name every beast of the field. And I have to imagine this wasn't an easy task because look at all the animals and look at all the beasts of the field. And Adam named every single one of them. Adam, this is where Adam actually puts in effort and energy. And because of it, he is about to be rewarded. So the Bible says that after he does this, God causes a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And from there, he creates him a helpmeet. And we know who that helpmeet is, is Eve. And from there, Adam names her woman because she is bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Now, here's where the element of faith really comes into play. Hebrews 11 and 1 says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So because God exists, the the substance of creation was already there, but it wasn't evident. It wasn't until God began to work, until God began to create, until God began to speak and form that the substance of creation became evident. So work is the vessel for the substance of faith to become the evidence. And it's the same thing with Eve. The substance of Eve was already there because God had already created Adam. But it was Adam's work, his completing the king work, the task that God had given him. The work was the vessel which allowed God to then take the substance from Adam and make it evident in Eve. 
So to answer the question, why do we work? Why does God work? The answer is quite simple. Work always precedes the reward. God worked and the pleasure that he would receive from mankind was his reward. Adam worked and the promise of a helpmeet was his reward. So everything that we're doing here, our existence, our energy and our effort, it's not it's not in vain. It's not for no reason at all. But what we do now determines the type of reward that we will receive. It determines if we will receive a reward. Because like I said earlier, when no skies split open, you know, some people are going to be left here. Some people aren't going to be able to enter that reward the first time around. Now, God, in his word, he says that, you know, there will be a chance for some that missed the first ride to make it the second time. But if we have so much grace and mercy and justice from God right now, and once he comes and goes, all of that's gone, how much more difficult is it going to be for someone to try to make it to heaven when this earth will be will be void of his presence and the church will be gone? But we have a chance right now. We have a chance to do the work and we have a chance to receive the reward because work and reward work in tandem. The work prepares us for the reward and the reward supplies the means for future work. And that's an important statement because if we look again at Adam and Eve, you know, after they eat the forbidden fruit, God gives them another task. He says, go be fruitful and multiply. Well, Adam, if you hadn't done the work in the beginning to uh, receive your reward, which would be Eve, there's no way you can complete the next task that God is going to give. Be fruitful and multiply. And this is why starting the assignment is so very important. It's why we've said it so many times on this show. But more so than starting, we have to find a way to complete the assignment. Because it's at completion of the assignment that we receive the reward. I know that it's a faith walk. I know there's an element of risk. I know there's an element of uncertainty when doing king work. But at the end of it all, when the assignment is complete, the reward will outweigh any obstacle, any barrier, any, anything that we could face during the work. I mean, I'm, I'm evidence of it. I'm sort of evidence of it, I guess, because right now for me, this is king work. This is me simply trying to complete an assignment that God has given me. Um, when it, when will it be complete? I have no idea. I'm just it, like I said, it's a faith walk. But the king work we do will always be bigger than us. God used his own work and his own reward to create his pleasure. Adam worked and received Eve. Then God used Adam's work and his reward to produce mankind. So whatever it is God is asking you to do, just know that it's bigger than you. And God wants to use it for something grand, for something so big and miraculous and awesome that you probably can't even conceive it, perceive it, whatever. Whatever. 
but just start. Just trust God. Just trust him in the moment. Trust him in the frustration. Trust him through the process. Because at the end, it will be so much more worth it than to not have ever done the work and never received a reward. And that's what we're doing every day. You know, every day we that we wake up and we choose to serve God, that's work. And that's king work. And like we said it already before, at the end, the reward for doing this king work, all of this time, all of these years, all of these moments, reaching people, loving people, being of service to people, all of this king work. In the end, the reward is going to far outweigh all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the tears. I, I preached the message on I preached the message a few years ago. And before I preached this message, I met a stranger and he said something. He said something to me that I'll never forget. He said that for Christians, this is the closest to hell that we will ever be right here on this earth. This is the closest to hell that we will ever be because we're living a life pleasing to God. And so from here, the only way we can go is up. If we're living by the commandments, the judgments, the statutes that God has put in his word that we should live by. But for people who aren't Christians, who aren't real children of God, this is the closest to heaven that they will ever get to. And what a poor misrepresentation of heaven that we could ever experience in our life because this earth right now is nothing like heaven i mean yeah the streets of gold is awesome the mansions uh the pearly gates all that's great but the sheer fact that we will have the opportunity to go to heaven and be in the midst of and be in the midst of jesus be in the midst of god in his purest, unrestrained, unadulterated form, we will get to have the full experience of who God is and know, and know God in such an intimate way that our finite human minds, this flesh of a mind, can't even perceive it. That's the reward of doing this work that we've been doing all this time. So persevere through the struggles, persevere through the sin, persevere through anything that comes against you, because the reward in the end that God has for us is more than worth all the troubles we will face in this life. And I want to leave with one more concept to think about. If God was a worker in the beginning, who's to say that the work doesn't continue after we receive our our reward of heaven? Yeah, I know we got mansions coming. We got streets of gold and all that. But I firmly believe that there will still be work to do when we get to heaven. Yeah, as it's probably been preached that, you know, heaven's going to be this grand retirement home or whatever where we just play golf and have church all day or just do what we want to do. But 
if God started from, if God introduced himself to us as a worker, then I believe the work continues even when we get to heaven. Now that might burst some of y'all's bubbles, but the work won't be the same. Like it won't be as strenuous. It won't be as backbreaking because we're going to be in the presence of God and we're going to be doing stuff that pleases him. You know, we were created for his pleasure. So this Sunday, let's go in our churches full of faith, fully prepared to do king work, fully prepared to serve, fully prepared to be available because God's taking notes of those things. Um, God has given us talents. He's given us abilities. And if we're not using those abilities, extending our effort and energy with those abilities in the way, in the capacity that God has given it to us for the purpose that God has given it to us, he's taking note of that. And we don't want to serve in work that's deceptive or destructive. We want to serve in real, genuine king work. So let's go have great church this Sunday. We will see you guys next week.